and you got hired. I'll never forget the date, December 8th of 2008. And that was the beginning of the end of our relationship. Is the thought of being imperfect keeping you from taking action? Welcome to Inspired Action for Imperfect Humans. Each week, we give you real-life stories and thought-provoking research that inspires your soul to live a more fulfilled life through your own actions. From the heart of Calgary, Canada, here are your hosts, award-winning coaches, Christopher Lawrence and Kyle Kalou. Hello, hello, people of the world. Welcome to Inspired Action for Imperfect Humans. I like potatoes, even if I don't eat them. So you talk about me getting to stories and keeping us on time, but then you start off with all these shenanigans. So what are we talking about today? Where I did do you just, want me? I did just lecture you on you did. on uh, not wasting time in these podcasts like you <laughs> usually do. Uh, you know what we're going to do today? We are calling this the great turnaround of 2008. Oh. So I'm not talking about the economic downturn okay. of 2008, just to be clear. Okay. Yeah. Well, I know what I remember when you talk about 2008. Me too. December 2008 was one of the worst winters that mm. Canada ever had. It was it was a crazy winter across the entire country. Like there was a point where I think there was snow in every, like it was snowing excessively in every major city. And exactly. I remember this so well, we were still engaged at the time. Yeah. And you were, we... Yes, I had just left WestJet a couple months before and you were still working there and you had a new position. You got hired. I'll never forget the date, December 8th of 2008. And that was yeah. the beginning of the end of our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> because Kyle started wearing, he got, in, he got uh, into a new leadership position mm -hmm. and started wearing a BlackBerry as a fashion accessory. And then he got married to that BlackBerry and he... <laughs> I gave him a choice. He could choose the Blackberry or me, and he chose the Blackberry. And <laughs> he still wears it as a fashion accessory today. I do I do not. I do not wear <laughs> Does anybody Blackberry. even have a Blackberry? Are they done now? I don't They're I don't know around. about these things. Are around. they? Are they? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, so you know, this I think this is really about doing turnarounds in teams. And I think, you know, Kyla, I, I want you to share your story. And I think a lot of people can can relate to this, you know, as, as an employee and as a leader, and there's going to be some inspired action. People are going to want their notepads for this. Do people still use pen and paper? <laughs> Besides you? <laughs> oh, I love a list. I think they do. I, I think they do. Cause some people do say they, they, it's, there's something about writing things down. And I agree with that writing, typing, as long as you get it down, I think is important, but let's, uh, I, sorry, I digress there. Let's get back to December of 2008 you know the story that Christopher is kind of prompting to is that you know I accepted a new position and you know it was with an airline I was with and at that time to be honest every province had snow and this is in the command the, the command center which is you're responsible for crew and plane and all that stuff knowing where people are supposed to be and so, so here crew scheduling right so it's like yeah you got to know where your crews day are. off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Day off operations. Mm -hmm. is and you, you had just accepted us. I think it was a senior manager position or something. And, and they, uh, basically the, you know, the team was, <laughs> yeah, was in a little bit As, of a mess. Yeah. 
at the time, as the, as the as the manager of crew scheduling was really more around making sure you're leading teams who are dealing with some very stressful situation, right? Like if the crew and the scheduling and the last minute, all the stuff that behinds that happens behind the curtain, like right, if a flight flight gets delayed know. or grounded, mm-hmm. or, how does it impact everyone? You know, crew Their duty time, yeah. 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 All this yeah, stuff. lots of things yeah. can really kind of go wrong. So, so picture this. So two two weeks on the job. So two weeks on the job. And, and let me just back this up a little bit. Most leaders, are, a lot of the leaders I also coach as well, um, we always talk about, you know, your first 90 to 100 you know, days. And in, in politics, you hear that, you know, where the president or the prime minister says, hey, in my first hundred days, what do I want to get done? What are the things we want to do? It really sets you up. So in the leadership side, it's really about assessing, right? In that time, you get 90, 100 days to see the lay of the land, know your team, know what's responsible, what you're responsible for, you know, really makes sense. And here's the head fake. Although you know on day one, day two, day five, what some changes you may have to make, it doesn't make sense strategically to do those changes yet because the team knows you're new like how do you feel if someone joins your team on day one they're like stop doing this stop doing that even though they may have some information it doesn't make sense it doesn't land well so if you're a leader who wants to go on a team and start those changes right away i'm going to tell you to be a little bit more strategic in your leadership and you need to really kind of assess so that was christopher my plan my plan was to go in get the lay of the land it's a it's a technical role lots of moving pieces and i want to be able to do that two weeks later the worst snowstorm, like you mentioned, in Canadian history is happening at every airport at the same time. These things happen at airport and you could always say, hey, weather's bad out west, let's move everything out east. Weather's bad out east, let's move everything out west. But when you have the entire country pretty much going to be on lockdown, it's a problem. New team, didn't know a lot of the lay of the land, so I had to make some decisions very quickly. I remember that actually you came home one day and you said that one of your crew schedulers Mm -hmm. had actually lost an entire crew. So like folks, when this happens, you have to find hotel rooms for your crew. Like this is part of the role. You have to find hotel rooms for your crew because they can't fly. They're going to max out their duty time so that they now need what, you know, what's called minimum crew rest, right? So they have to now go rest. And I remember that, there was just so much going on that one of your crew schedulers actually lost a crew and you had to pull her aside and be like, I'll, I'll use a different name, but Jennifer, calm Don't down. Don't use that name either. <laughs> take, take a breath. Yeah. Just slow your mind. We're going to figure this out. Yeah. Right. Because it felt personal. Think about it. A lot of us who do our jobs and responsible for certain things, it is personal. And if you know your role is to be something and something happens, you're, you're going to get emotional about it. And you're going to, you know, get to your mind starts wandering to things. So, of course, it made sense, right? Yeah. To- well, it totally does, right? And mm-hmm. and your, your team, you know, it, it was in a bit of a place before you started. Like, it wasn't functioning very well. Mm-hmm. Right. And which is why I think I was uh, attracted to that role or why I think another leader sought me oh, out. You are totally attracted <laughs> to chaos, which is why everybody now knows that you were engaged to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like everybody things. thinks I'll you try, rescued try me, but what they don't understand is I saved your life. Um, 
<laughs> okay. Okay. So, so yeah, so this is interesting. So, so I remember at that time, like you turned that team around in three weeks. Like it was probably one of the most impressive things that I ever had a line of sight to from a leader uh, in, in my, you know, in my history up to that point, like you, you turned this team around in three weeks. Yeah. I think when you look back at it, you see it, but in that moment, uh, Christopher, I was, it's really was, we call command and control leadership, right? You just had to know where the players are, how to move those, how to start thinking strategically and it was the tactics. Yeah. It, and the tactics that goes with it. Thinking strategically is, is only half of it. It's what do you do now to actually mm-hmm. execute that plan? So we had to do a few things, you know, mm-hmm. and I'd love to share a couple of those if, if that's kind of. Well, okay. I'm, I'm really curious, Kyle, because I think this is really important because these are things that both leaders and employees need to keep an eye on, right? Like these are the watch out for us. I'm curious because this is like, like some of this could have been prevented. Like, yes, it still would have been a hard time, but had the pre-work been done and no insult to the pre previous manager. Cause I, mm-hmm. I know who she is and she's a lovely person, but mm-hmm. she admitted to you that it's like, uh, like it was time for me. It was a lot. Yeah. You know, it was time for me to move into something else. And so, and I still have a tremendous amount of respect for her, for what she did in that organization. Well. Right. <clears throat> but, but what were some of the key problems? Like what are the, what were the watch out for? So you walked in and like, like, you know, what, what would the team have said that they were noticing? What would you have said, you know, like, like what were the problems or the watch out for's? Mm-hmm. I think it's just how the team is working together. And I didn't see a lot of together. I saw a lot of, I'm in my own lane. Let me do my thing. Let me not lose a crew. Let me, you know, if I get a call, I do, I deal with it myself and task saturation. Like when you could look at someone, you could see them going and going and going, right? And sometimes this team in particular felt that people outside of them thought they're doing nothing. If anything, they were very busy, may not have been productive, but very busy, right? So task saturation would definitely be something um, you notice right away, right? Yeah, I, I agree. And I think lots of times leaders get into positions and then they forget they, they forget where they came from. I call that the leadership amnesia, right? Because when they weren't a leader, they're going to say, oh, if I ever become a leader, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And then they become a leader and then they forget all about those things they saw that mm-hmm. they wanted to do better. They want to do different. And here's the thing I'm going to say. It's not entirely their fault for forgetting. Mm-hmm. Only because the operational, these other, this type of information that they didn't have access to on the front line, they're now exposed to, and they're trying to juggle those different pieces. Mm-hmm. How do I actually take the vision that my senior leader has and put actions around it, and then also make sure the front line's taken care of? It's That's what's happening to them. So then they just default to what they saw previous leadership did, mm-hmm. which may be a lot of barking, maybe a lot mm-hmm. of, you know, low patients, not really working on mm-hmm. team, but they were just more focused on deliverables. I just know people are not delivering. So I'm going to mm-hmm. treat them a certain way to get them deliver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, so actually Kyle, like I wanted to go do some research on some stats. Cause you know me, I right. love, I love this kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think it'll be really helpful for people to feel empowered and validated to hear these stats, both leaders Mm -hmm. and team players um, and employees. Uh, Mm -hmm. And you're going to love these because they actually come from uh, DISC, 
uh, Wiley and the mm-hmm. five behaviors of cohesive team. And I know that you are an authorized partner in, in mm-hmm. all of their tools mm-hmm. and that you uh, help teams and you do still to this day turn teams around mm-hmm. um, uh, for a living. Uh, and sometimes it takes three weeks. Most of the time it takes a little <laughs> bit longer, but most teams aren't yeah. in crisis like that team was. So, <laughs> so I've, I've got a few stats here that I just thought were were totally interesting. So 84% of coworkers and coworkers includes leaders, bosses, mm-hmm. uh, colleagues, um, peers, subordinates. So employees, you know, people that work for you. Um, so 84% of coworkers said when their colleagues admit their mistakes, they trust them more. Absolutely. Like, think about that. If someone said, listen, I effed up. Mm-hmm. I really messed up on that thing. <sighs> like, yeah. how do we feel? Right. Well, and this is, this is the thing, right? Because I think you came in and, and I remember one of the first tactics you did, and we're going to talk about this in the minute, in a minute, but you, you actually shadowed these people. Like you actually went and sat with them for 10 days. And they're there's like, a show, there's a I, show about this, Christopher. It's called undercover boss. Like, well, this is a thing, right? But you, yeah. you actually did that. Not as an undercover boss. You actually just went and sat with them on the phones and took calls. And they yeah. said to you, I remember this clear as day. They said, you know, you don't have to do this. Right. And you mm-hmm. said, but yes, I do. Absolutely. If I'm going to lead you, and you are Absolutely. going to trust me. I need to do this. And you made mistakes and admitted those mistakes yeah. during that time, yeah. right? Absolutely. Uh, did you know that 71% of coworkers said they thought their workplace would be more effective if people were more frank with their opinions? Why people don't engage in that type of conversation? I think it's because they're they're trying to avoid a conflict. But if you knew what the person next to you or on your team really felt about it and felt like they can speak, without feeling that it's going to be punitive or you're going to make fun of them or whatever. But if they could actually say, then you would either know how to respond to them or say, you know what, we never thought of that that way. You know, it's interesting because I, having worked, cause I work mostly, I do work with leaders a little bit. I work mm-hmm. mostly with employee bases. Like I, you know, I'm a little bit of an employee advocate and and, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, find me a soapbox. I'll stand okay. on it. Um, but, but one of the things that, that I can say is that if I'm stereotyping Canadians in the workplace, Canadians mm. are so passive aggressive in the workplace. We're really afraid of what I call pure honesty. So, so right. and, and actually, I think we're even afraid of honesty with compassion or honesty with empathy. As Canadians, mm. what we value is... I don't want to hurt your feelings. So I'm going to say nothing, but I'm going to be, talk about it behind your back or I'm going to do passive aggressive things and you should know. And yeah. I, I've coached over 2000 people in a one-on-one setting. I've coached over 10,000 people in group settings. And, and so have you, Kyle, like I know that you're in the thousands with these things as well. And, and this is the thing that we see over and over again is this lack of cohesiveness because people actually aren't having honest conversations. But I think people also mistake because we're really unpracticed at it in our corporate culture. People mistake honesty honesty and fact-based honesty with opinion. I'm just being honest. I don't like what you're wearing. I'm just being honest. That was a stupid decision. Those are opinions. That is not honesty. So, So we get it wrong all the time we probably need to do a podcast on taking inspired action. I totally agree. And if I could uh, step around back a communication, bit. sorry, yeah. uh, inspired action around communication. 
Yeah. If I could step back a little bit about hurting other people's feelings, here's the thing. That's actually quite arrogant of you to think that, you know, what you're going to say is going to hurt other people's feelings. I'm entitled to my feelings, right? You could say hi to me and it could hurt my feelings, but I decided that, right? I'm not saying words don't have power. I'm not saying, you know, you don't have to be mindful of your words, but if you're really saying, I don't want to be honest with this guy that's going to embedder him and, you know, make him better in the organization or as a person, because I want to spare his feelings. The head fake is you want to spare your own because you may not like what's at the other end of that, which it could be a rebuttal. It could be a response. It could be feedback coming back. Right. Well, Um, the way that I look at this, Kyle, is that people are, people are the the phrase I hear over and over and over again is I don't want to rock the boat. And do you know what my challenge is with that, Kyle, instead of rocking the boat, they're walking around ruminating, gossiping, you know, struggling, you know, basically stuffing it down with silence. So instead of rocking the boat a little bit, they're sinking their own ship. Absolutely. And and by sinking your own ship, you're not part of the fleet anymore. So you're taking down the whole organization or the whole team. If you say nothing, like it's, it's garbage. Like it's okay if you rock the boat, but do so with facts and intelligence and, and, you know, through non-punitive conversation you know, it's okay if the boat rocks a little bit. Girl, sometimes if you don't rock the boat, you're sinking your own ship. You know, that reminds That's me of a good beam. That's a good, yeah. I got to put that on my socials, girl. I'm going <laughs> to yeah. take a note right now. I got my pen and paper. I'm going to make a list. That that triggers a, a triggered a member for me around, you know, the, the expression that says one bad apple spoils the bunch. You know what I mean? And I remember saying that feeling quite confident early in my leadership career and something happened, you know, uh, where I was working at the time. And I went home and I said that to my mom, like, yeah, well, we now have to do this because one bad apple spoiled the entire bunch. And then she said to me, well, what are the other 11 doing? How did the other 11 stood there and let that one bad apple spoil that bunch? And that's where you're just like, oh, why do we do that? And when you don't speak up, when you don't say something that you know to be different because you don't want to rock the boat and you don't want to that. Well, really, you guys all have a responsibility too to say, hey, I believe in this and this is not right. Because you know if the other say- 11 is doing, they wouldn't do that. That one bad apple would be so uncomfortable turning bad, <laughs> right? And should be should be uh, discomfort, right? They should have discomfort in that because it doesn't make sense. You're, you're totally right. Do you, do you know what the, the phrase that people say uh, to get out of it? They say, not my job. And they throw their hands up. Oh, right. that's fucking convenient. <laughs> Don't ever say that. It's everybody's job to keep this team moving forward, including holding your leadership yeah. accountable, holding Absolutely. your peers accountable, not gossiping, yeah. but actually dealing with the issue. If you don't know how to do this, don't talk to your friend and commiserate. Talk to somebody who can guide you through how to have a difficult conversation. And here's the deal. If you're not going to have the difficult conversation, then let it go. Don't ruminate. Yeah. Don't talk to anybody else. But if you're ruminating and you're talking to somebody else and you're talking to everybody but who you need to talk to, you have not effectively let it go and you're damaging your own brain and your own psychology and you're damaging your team. And that's arrogant. Yeah. And not that's saying why, something is arrogant. Yeah. And that's why that stat came out, right? Ooh, Absolutely. Girl. Okay. <laughs> girl, I love Any a soapbox. However, <laughs> we need to get out. What are the five 
majorly effective teams that, uh, teams, what are the five majorly effective things I'm curious that you did in that role that every single person, whether it be a team player or a leader, what can they do to turn their teams around? Whether that team, you know, maybe it's even a family situation, you know, but certainly in the workplace, what did they need to do? What did you do that these people could mimic? And girl, I'll try yeah, to shut I, up. <laughs> I think the first thing for me was um, shadow the team, right? So I did it for about 10 days to really kind of shadow, you know, what was happening. And it's not always just to understand to understand what they were going through, to, you know, to be understood before it could be understood in a situation like that. It's also to appreciate what they're experiencing. Because a lot of times some people get that mixed up that says, well, if you understand what I'm going through, then sometimes I may not, like, I don't know what it's like to be a female. I just, I cannot understand it. I could appreciate certain struggles and because a struggle is a struggle, period. If you said it's a struggle, it's a struggle. I could relate to it. I could appreciate it. I don't necessarily have to have a full grasp of that understanding. But I think when you go into a role on your team, you need to either under, try to understand or appreciate the role that they're doing and the things they're going through. And that's what we mentioned earlier about Undercover Boss. They're in it. They saw it. They could see it. They're like, whoa, it's interesting when they go through it, how the change happens like that, where they've been talking about it for years and nothing happens. Right? So, so first thing is you have to understand the other person's or role or situation. Yeah. You have to appreciate the other person's role or situation. That's number one. What's Absolutely. number two? Absolutely. Um, what was the, you have to be able to clarify for everyone on the team. What is the number one priority? We get that there's many things happening in an organization, an operation, and you're responsible for many things. Like these guys, they were responsible for things they shouldn't have even been doing, but they weren't clear with what is the number one thing which is know where the crews are, <laughs> know where they are. Cause if I don't know where the crews are. How can we get them back on planes? How can we take care of their hotels? How can we take care of their foods? How can we take care of all those things? So the number one thing is you, everyone on the team needs to know what is the number one thing you should be doing or responsible so, for. So if you're a leader, it's your responsibility to determine that and communicate it. And if you're an employee and you don't know, don't walk around saying, well, my leader doesn't do this. Go ask, what's our number one priority in this department right now? You need to know that, you need to accept it, you need to get on the ship and row in the same direction. What's number three, Kyle? uh, Number three is about, look at the job description. Look at what they're actually supposed to be responsible for. You know, a lot of times leaders go in, they start firing people, they start moving things around without actually assessing. Did anyone communicate this with them? Did you get into a job that you spend more time in that, that line that says, other duties assigned. I've seen that many times where people are doing more of the other duties assigned than the job they were hired to do. When you can revamp that and make sure that is clear, and that's a whole process. Anyone who wants support on that, you definitely want to reach out to me, but you want to make sure that is clear for you as the leader and for them. Because oftentimes the leader is trying to hold them accountable to things that they didn't know they're supposed to do. You and I both do this. I do it with when I coach employees. You do this when you coach leaders. Whenever there's a a discussion around um, what somebody's job is or what the expectation is, Mm -hmm. you and I always coach. Go back to your job description. Make sure it's up to date and then revamp it and say, this is what I understand I'm doing or this is my expectation of what you're doing. Let's have that conversation because you cannot hold people accountable to things that are not clearly understood. Don't assume that they should know. If you say, well, they should know it's in their job description, revisit it. When was the last time somebody actually shared their job description with Mm -hmm. you as a leader or vice versa, you as a leader? Mm 
you've got to revisit it with them. And regularly, this is, you know, performance reviews are never effective. It's, it's that'll be a whole other podcast, but <laughs> I don't have time for another soapbox here. But this is the thing, like folks, like, yeah. like go back to the job description. And actually, I remember that you looked at their job descriptions, you revamped them, you looked at what they did, what they needed to be doing, and you actually created a training program in like a week mm -hmm. and a half and, and rolled it out to the entire team in a week and a half because you guys were in an urgent situation. You reset the bar. And it was because it was a whole team thing. We're not about group coaching when right. it's about an individual or two, right? right? But but in this case, like it was more than 90% of the team needed this. What's number yeah. four, Kyle? Um, yeah, I had some phenomenal folks who kind of worked through on that. Number four is about know what success is like you have to know what success looks like you know i often use the term you know what does rome look like because if people don't know the clear goal or vision how are they going to aim to it how are they going to say okay this is where it is every employee wants meaningful work we get that no one wants to be in a relationship without knowing where it's going no one wants to be in a job where they don't know where it's going and that's what it is make sure they know success is this if it's customer service is it a number is it a deliverable make sure they know what success. So that way, when they're there, they'll know they're there instead of the, I don't know, I think I'm doing a good job. I think we're doing it right. Da, 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 da. And the only time they figure it out is when the leader says, uh, hi, Susie Bell. Um, yeah, this is a problem. Yeah. What's number five, Kyle? Find ways to catch people doing it right. Leaders are so good at holding people accountable when they go outside that line or they don't deliver on something that wasn't clear for them to deliver on, right? People are amazing at doing things well. And unfortunately, for a lot of leaders, we get stuck with dealing with the, the squeaky wheel. And it makes sense because you want it to stop. You want it to be great. But these other amazing people who do a good job, they have no idea, right? So if you are looking for a reason for people who are messing up, you'll find it. And if you're also looking for a reason why people are doing a good job, you will find that too. And this goes for the employee too. Like I think sometimes employees miss the opportunity to tell their boss that they're doing a good job on a mm -hmm. certain thing or like, hey, how you communicated to me was effective. Employees mm -hmm. forget to ask, what does success look like in my role? Like this is a two-way street. We are human yeah. beings. Leaders are not gods, mm -hmm. right? They wake up in the morning trying to make their living just like everybody else. We're all they fun. make a lot of mistakes just like employees do, it's a two-way street. So Kyle, what is our question for our viewers? So what is the imperfect inspired action that we want them to take this week? Yeah, I would say, ask yourself, what is the imperfect inspired action you can do um, to create a cohesive team? That is really a question. What can you do to ensure that you can create a cohesive team as a leader, as well as an employee? Folks, we want to hear from you in our show notes. You're going to see a way that you can contact us on our landing page. We want, we want to get some of your emails rolling in. We might share some of these in future episodes. Thanks very much. We'll chat with you next week. It's our goal to build a global community of inspired action takers. And we can only do that with your help. So if you love inspired action, please leave a review on your favorite podcasting app and share us on your socials. You've heard from us. Now we want to hear from you. Go to inspiredactionpodcast.ca and tell us what is the inspired action you took this week. Next week on Inspired Action for Imperfect Humans. Is that loyalty, I would say 
is almost never extended two ways anymore in the workplace. That is 